You're listening to a podcast from Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, whose mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Good morning. I appreciate you guys bearing through that. Uh, this will amaze you. It only took us one take to do that video. I, I know. I know you couldn't tell from the quality, but that was the first try, and we got it done. Uh, my plan was to interview Jim this morning, uh, but as he said, he is away in, uh, on his way to China right now, and so we just did a little video. But what I love about that story and the reason I asked Jim to share his family's story is it's just rich in history and meaning. Right? I mean, he's going to go to this place that has uh, significance to his name and to his family story. Today, we're going to be talking about something very similar in the third commandment in taking the Lord's name in vain. And what does it mean to bear a family name, and particularly the, the name of Yahweh, the name of God? So, if you're new to us, we're walking through a series uh, where we're teaching through the, the Ten Commandments. And so, we started off just a couple of weeks ago, and we, we talked through the, the first commandment, which prohibited the worship of false gods. And we can understand why this is a, a, big, deal, a big deal. After all, you can't you know, go wandering around worshiping the wrong god. Uh, then the second commandment we walked through last week, prohibiting the worship of other things than God. Well, like that's spot on, right? That completely makes sense. Well, then all of a sudden, the third commandment, it's just different, you know, it, it, it doesn't follow that, that same theme, and so we have to try to wrap our minds around what is going on in taking the Lord's name in vain. Because I think when most of us hear that commandment, that thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain, we kind of check it off as, all right, don't curse using God's name. Done. Can we, let's move on, right? But it's so much more than that. Because I grew up kind of thinking that way. And if you grew up in a religious home, which I, I think many of you guys did, uh, to say GD was like paramount to signing your own death warrant, right? The, the consequence that came along with that particular language was, was severe, right? I, I know in my household uh, growing up, uh, my mom didn't even let us say, oh my God. Like when we were surprised, because that would get you a bar of soap in the mouth sitting over in the corner. Now, I don't know if you guys still do the whole bar of soap thing. I don't hear about it that much anymore. I don't know if it's been like outlawed as cruel and unusual punishment by society, but it was completely legit when I was growing up to do this. In some of your homes, I bet even saying, gosh, right? I mean, you, you take it to that point of don't say this, don't say this, don't say anything like this, right? Well, is that the heart of God in this third commandment? It's got to be more than that, right? It's got to be, there's always a richer meaning to that. So what is, what is it exactly? What is it to take the Lord's name in vain? Well, that's what we want to look at today. And we're going to start by looking at the text in Exodus 20, verse 7. So if you have your Bible, I uh, invite you to open up there. We're going to be jumping around a lot, looking at a number of texts today. So if you don't have them, you can just follow along on the screen. And you guys don't have to stand. It's just one quick verse. I'm going to read. I'm going to say a brief prayer, and then we'll jump into uh, continuing our time of teaching. So here we go. Exodus 20, verse 7. Uh, let's hear the word of the Lord together. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. 
Let's pray. Uh, Father, we desire to know your heart in your words, and so uh, we want to pursue your heart in this time now, uh, to pursue uh, what it is that you are calling your people to when you gave them the Ten Commandments and, and how they apply to us today. So I would just ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to know, uh, to know your name, uh, to know what it means to take it in vain or to not do it, uh, because this seems like a big deal to you, God. And so we, we, we want this to be a big deal to us. So just open up our hearts to, to know that. We'd ask this in your name. Amen. So it, it says it there in verse 20. Uh, there's one other verse in Leviticus 24, um, uh, I mean in verse 7. An- another, another passage here, Leviticus 24, 16, says this. It's up on the screen. Uh, Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. Wow. Okay, this is a big deal to God, right? That he would take time after this to address this again and even to address the consequence. I mean, it's kind of vague in in verse 7 that you shall not be held guiltless, but now it's like, hey, we're all going to take this guy out and stone him. Okay, so this is a big deal to God. So then the next question we have to ask is, what is exactly forbidden in the third commandment? Well, the word vain is very important. It can mean empty, nothing, worthless, or of no good purpose. Okay? So God's people are forbidden to take up the name of God in a manner that is wicked, worthless, or for wrong purposes. Okay, that starts to bring a little clarity. Well, how then should we treat the name of God? How are we to approach God? Well, there's tons of examples in Scripture of the right way to approach the name of God, but I want us to look at just a handful of them here, and they'll be be up on the screen. And you guys see if you can pick up a theme here. Psalm 8.1, O Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Psalm 29, 2. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. How about the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9? Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Acts 4, 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among which by which we must be saved. Also, Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Philippians 2, 10 through 11, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So from that overview, we see that the name of God is, is majestic, it's holy, it's exalted, it's worthy of praise, it's worthy of honor, it's the way of salvation, it is to be confessed in order to receive salvation, and that it's a name that's, that's worthy to be bowed down to. I, I love that story that Jim shared because, like I said, it's rich in history, it's rich in meaning. The name of God is so much richer. The name of God that is to be hallowed, the name of God that is to be, to be, be revered. And, and think, think back now on this journey that the Israelites have walked with God up until this point. 
You've got God coming and covenanting with Abraham, inviting him into relationship. But God tells Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Well, then we fast forward to the Exodus. This family has become a great nation. God has now rescued them out of slavery. And in that moment, he speaks to them through a burning bush. He speaks to Moses and he tells Moses, I want you to call my name I Am or Yahweh. So he is the self-existing one. Then we go farther into Exodus 19, which we looked at earlier in the year. God covenants with this group of people again, and this time he tells them, if you obey my voice and keep my commandments, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then throughout the rest of the book of Exodus, God goes to great length to explain to them what it means to be in relationship with him and relationship with one another. And then there's several books, Leviticus and and Deuteronomy, that also go into great detail. See, it, it means something to bear the name of God. Because God is a relational being. He he invites his creation into relationship. We should just stop and and, and, and meditate on that for just a second. Yahweh, the self-existing one, has invited his creatures into intimate relationship. That's astounding. So it means something now to be the people of God, to bear the name of God. Well, if you're not following me, let's use a football analogy because I, I know how much you guys like talking about Alabama football. Um, for you visitors, it's, it's the one true team. Uh, now, I know we give Alabama football lots of, lots of crap about, you know, all the national championships they win because some other team on the West Coast just doesn't quite get there very often. Um, say what you will about Alabama football. What, one of the things I value about the team is it means something to bear the crimson and white, right? And it's not just about being a really good player. Saban does not put up with crap. He just doesn't. He has a very high moral standard for his players. And it doesn't matter how good of a player you are, if you break the code of conduct, you're out. That's why you don't hear a ton of scandalous stories about Alabama football players. He just doesn't put up with it because there's a, a reputation at stake. There's a, a weight behind the name. Okay, you follow me? Okay, for those of you who don't get football analogies, how about this? We use a cultural analogies out of Game of Thrones. A Lannister always pays his debts right? It means something to bear the family name, and and you better act like it or you'll be out of the family. This is the idea behind the third commandment, to not take the Lord's name in vain, because when we do, when we do take God's name as his people and use it for things that it's not meant to be used for, it's considered blasphemy. Okay, let's unpack that a little bit. If you call yourself a Christian, which many of us in the room here do, uh, that means little Christ, right? I'm, I'm with the Christ 
I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower. When you confess Christ as Savior, it means that he, he purchased you. That's what he did on the cross. He, he purchased you with a price. The New Testament teaches us that we are no longer our own, but now we belong to God. We belong to his family. Now, here, here's the danger of being a Christian and what, what I believe the heart of God is in Exodus uh, in the third commandment here. We can easily take the Lord's name in vain when we use God's name and, and ascribe it to a false sense of authority to our own ideas, plans, and opinions. I'm going to read that again. We can easily take the Lord's name in vain if we use the name of God to ascribe a false sense of authority to our own ideas, plans, and opinions. So with that in mind, we probably shouldn't lightly throw out the name of God and attach it to a whole bunch of our ideas. Because to be honest, I hear God told me so a lot in Christian circles. It's thrown out there like a a little caveat, like the end of 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 a sentence. I'm going to go do this thing because that's, that's what God wants. That's what God told me to do. And I, I have people that come to me all the time and tell me that God told them to do something. And that's great, man. If you guys have like a direct line to God and he speaks like that, that clearly and that audibly, I'm going to hang out with you more. But here's what happens most of the time. Somebody will tell me, God told me to do X. God told me to take this job. God told me to move to this place, to buy this home, to put my kids in whatever school, right? To go to a certain church even. And typically what I'll ask is, man, that's awesome. So, so you must have been reading the Bible and God through his word, which is the clearest revelation of who God is. He must have spoken through the text. Well, well no, no, that, that's, not, that's not what happened. Okay, so, that, so then you must have been in community with the brothers and sisters of Christ where the Holy Spirit dwells and you guys were like in godly counsel and you made this decision that God wanted. Well, well, no, that, that's not necessarily how it went either. Okay, then, then you were down on your knees in prayer in an, an extended period of fasting, searching the heart of God. No, no, that's, that's not how it went down either. So really what happened, this is just something you've wanted to do a really long time, and you're just slapping the name of God onto it. That's blasphemy. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. Many years ago, we had a, a couple in this church, a Christian couple. Uh, they were in our home community. And the only reason I would use them as an example, hear me out, church, is because they've been gone a long time and none of you know them, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. That's the only reason I would use this as an example. There was a couple in our home community. Uh, they just moved to Portland. And, uh, and they show up to home community for the first time. And, uh, and I'm like, hey, nice to meet you guys. Uh, and we started talking. I'm like, so what are you going to do for a, a job? right? I mean, you're, you're new to this city. You're going to have to do something. And the guy said, uh, God has told me not to work right now. Uh, I just need to rest. And I'm like, so wheat. Like, I should, I want that. Like, that'd be awesome. Maybe, maybe I could have that. And so I'm like, so you guys have, you have like savings, right? So you can provide for yourself through an extended period of Sabbath. He's like, no, no, there's, there's no money. Uh, but, but God told me to rest. I'm like, okay, well, luckily for him, his wife 
was willing to go out and wash dishes at a country club. Every day, she washed dishes all day while he sat at home reading books of theology and resting. And I, I had a hard time with that. I had a really hard time with that. And I tried to give him grace, but over an extended period of time, as months went by, we finally sat down to him as the men in our group, and we said, hey, man, I know that God has told you that you shouldn't work, but he told all of us that you should. <laughs> so it's time to get a job, right? That's okay to do. I mean, when you hear someone say, God told me so, you, you check that, right? You open up the Word because God doesn't tell you to do something that's not in the Word. So we need to be careful how we use this. Associating God's name where it does not belong is dangerous. How about for the leaders of this church? Chris, Royce, myself, home community leaders, deacons. We will be held accountable when we say God wants us to do this. Elders, if we are going to slap the name of God on something, we better have done it with much searching in God's word and much prayer and knowing the heart of God and godly counsel even beyond, outside of this church. Because it is a serious offense to the name of God to attribute it to something that God has no place in. I think there's two extremes here that come along with, uh, with the third commandment, with violating the third commandment. On one, we just talked about associating the name of God uh, with things, with places that it does not uh, belong but I think there's a, a, another extreme to violating the third commandment, to taking the Lord's name in vain. And, and I believe that we violate the third commandment when we're ashamed of God. And we're ashamed of bearing the name of God. I, I understand in this city, there's a lot of baggage that comes along with Christian. But Christian is our family name. It's the name that demonstrates our unity with Christ. Baptism, among other things, is a naming ceremony, right? Where you are, you are through the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you are baptized into the family of God called the church. We are a baptized family of God bearing the name of God. A phony Christian is a blasphemous one. It, it is so easy to come to this church and to sit here and to sing these songs, to say all the right things, but it's how we live as Christians when we leave this place, bearing the glory of God. God came, He was here, He sent His Son he rescued all of us, but then he now sits, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, and it's through his church, right? It's through his church that he is advancing his mission. It's through this group of people, not autonomous little individuals, but a family of God bearing the name of God. A summary of the third commandment can be seen in Colossians 3.17. What's it practically look like to to, to bear the name of God. 
Look at what it says here. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? I mean, everything. Do everything in the name of the Lord. Wow, like, I go to work in the name of the Lord. I, I vacation in the name of the Lord. I recreate in the name of the Lord. I enter into relationships in the name of the Lord. I spend my money in the name of the Lord. Oh, man, like, when you start thinking about it that way, aren't we blaspheming the name of the Lord all the time? Right? If you're supposed to do everything in the name of the Lord, think about all the things this past week that I did in the name of Josh, right? All the things that I did in the name of self, self-centeredness. Well, crap, right? I mean, let's go back to Exodus. With that in mind, let's go back to Exodus chapter 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name. Okay, so we're in trouble. That text says we will not be held guiltless. Well, if if, if we're acknowledging that we've all blasphemed and we will not be held guiltless, what do we need? What does a guilty person need? He's Jesus. A guilty person needs punishment. They need atonement, right? Somebody's got to pay. And praise God, somebody did. Amen? That's why Jesus came. See, the the Israelites in our text, they were not held guiltless for their blasphemy. They paid. They did horrible things. They will go on to do horrible things in the name of God, in the name of Yahweh. And God will hold them to that promise. He will hold them to that commitment. They will pay. And you know what's different between us and them? We have the blood of Jesus. It has been poured upon us. The guilt has been paid, so we are no longer guiltless in the name of God. And it's that reality that the debt has been paid for you that leads you to a life of honoring the name of God. It's not about duty. It's not about showing up to this place. It's not about going through some routine. It's that I have been washed by the grace of God. I was outside of the family of God. I was a blasphemer. I was brought into the family of God. I still blaspheme, yet yet because of what Jesus did for me, God sees me as righteous and holy. Just like Doug prayed, right? I am righteous in the eyes of God because of the name of Jesus. That changes you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to come and we're going to, once again, receive communion. We're going to receive a reminder. And as you hold the bread, I want you to think, this is the cost of blasphemy. This is the cost of, of me living life in my own name. Thank God that a way was made so that I could be in relationship with Him. 
we can be Yahweh's people all over again because of Jesus. That's worth celebrating. Okay, we're going to sing Jesus Paid It All. I love this song, right? All of it. Every single sin that I have ever committed and that I ever will commit, Jesus paid it all. That's worth, that's worth, that's worth worshiping the name of God over. So let's do that now. Let's sing. Let's come and receive communion. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for uh, initiating relationship with us. Thank you first that you are a being that I can't even comprehend your holiness. Uh, God, I, I can't even comprehend how, how you exist because it's not human. You are above and beyond my understanding. You exist outside of time and space. You exist out of everything that, that makes me who I am. And so I just, I can't comprehend you. But yet, I thank you that you came and you initiated relationship with us, that you allowed us to be in relationship with you. Thank you that you didn't do that from far off. You didn't do that just through writing on stone tablets. You did that through coming, through incarnating, through dwelling, so that a price could be paid, so that we could be guiltless for our blasphemy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for paying that sacrifice. Uh, Father, through your Holy Spirit, open our hearts so that that truth sinks so deep down inside that it changes me. It changes us. It changes the way that we interact with this community. It changes with the grace that we are able to then give back out. Fill us with your grace to be bearers of your name. A gracious, loving God. Do this to your people. In the name of Jesus, I'd ask that, God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please visit us at www.redseachurch.org or contact us at info at redseachurch.org.